This NCAA tournament coverage is brought to you by Poplar Place Properties, upscale living in the heart of the city. For more information on Poplar Place Properties, contact 270-293-9170. That's 270-293-9170. A big thank you to Poplar Place for sponsoring our coverage this week. We're excited to get to work. Um, on the way right now to Hartford, Connecticut, I'm Blake Sandlin, Editor-in-Chief of the Murray State News. And behind the wheel right now, we got Gage Johnson, the Sports Editor of the Murray State News. Like I said, Gage, I mean, we're excited to get to work. We're fortunate to be able to come, for sure, right? Yeah. Can't wait. Once we get through this, uh, we got, I think, 11 hours left. Yeah. It's a, to get to it. It's a grueling 15-and-a-half-hour uh, journey that, that we're embarking on. And uh, couldn't be more more happy to do it, you know. Some people, some of the uh, a lesser man would have taken a flight, a cushy cushy flight down to Hartford. Yeah. But you know, we're we're troopers work through hard, and through. Work hard, play hard. That's right. Blue collar workers trying to bring you the best coverage, and that includes uh, podcasting on the road. So we're going to try our best to do that. Um, so, like I said, a lot of coverage to expect this week. Um, we'll get into the specifics real quick, just kind of what to expect from the Murray State News in terms of our coverage. Uh, obviously, we'll be giving you these podcasts, and um, we'll be giving you also media coverage on Wednesday when the teams come up to the XL Center in uh, Hartford for that as well. And obviously, we'll be writing uh, as much as we can in terms of previewing the matchups. And uh, I guess first and foremost, our priority when we get to Hartford is to start working on um, a, a tournament preview for uh, for this this upcoming matchup with Marquette. Uh, me and Gage will be sitting down and producing a um, a video package, kind of previewing the matchups and recapping the media day, and kind of giving you uh, that inside look of what the team is going through as they prepare to enter their 17th NCAA tournament appearance. Back to back, I guess. So me and Gage were doing this exact same thing last year. So uh, it's only right that we're back here again to, uh, I guess, a little bit more season this time. Yeah. You know, a little experience under our belt. Yep, that's right. We we know how we're we're veterans of the game now. So uh, I, I think we're, we're we're definitely really excited. I think we I speak for Gage as well when I say that. I mean, this is obviously a once in a life, lifetime opportunity to be able to watch team play in sub a tournament and we're really excited as we can be and why wouldn't we be you know it's it's marquette third meeting all time and uh a chance for really mercy to pull off an upset bid and i, I think a lot of people are, are kind of considering that when they fill out their brackets i wouldn't even really presume that many people are even viewing murray state as a dark horse anymore it's almost um almost the obvious upset pick from from the bracketologists and and the different amateur picks that i've seen don't you agree oh definitely Before we get into that matchup uh, specifically, let's talk a little bit about Hartford. I know me and you uh, selfishly were wishing against uh, the San Jose trip. Obviously, San Diego last year. Wanted to switch it up a little bit. Hartford isn't exactly the best weather, as as some of our media members have also expressed. Um, but what were your thoughts on this Hartford destination? Are, are you happy to see the racers go there? Obviously, they had... Um, the, the different storyline narratives back in San Jose with uh, De Niro Thomas's shot, of course, there in 2010. Columbia, South Carolina, John Morant returning home, yada, yada, yada. Uh, Jacksonville, Florida, no storyline, but just awesome weather. You know, yeah. can't really turn that down. 
um, and then obviously the, the kind of the proximity with the, with the Columbus sort of thing. So um, a lot of different destinations, but in the end, settle with Hartford. Uh, were you were you happy with that with that choice? I, I like it for the sheer fact of this is just another another place to create a Denaro Thomas like moment. <laughs> okay. There you go. You sure. Know, you can make make memories happen make anywhere. Memories I guess. happen anywhere. That's right. Uh, yeah, I, I'm in the same way. You know, it's 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 an original place to go. I, I don't think I'd ever venture up to Hartford, Connecticut on my own. Not so much, uh, not much to do there. Yep. We have as we have found there are about. Uh, unless you're a big, big Mark Twain guy. Big Mark Twain guy. There's some museums there, art museums, yeah. Mark Twain's house, oh, oh, several oh. parks. I mean, so yeah. some really uh, riveting action to get into if, oh, if yeah. you're headed up to Hartford. Make sure you check out those parks and uh, smell the roses a little bit. Yeah. Read up on your Mark Twain. No doubt. It's a uh, very very interesting if you're a history, history buff. But um, if you're not a history buff, if you're not a nerd and want to be a jock... <laughs> Here's some sports knowledge for you. Let's get right into this matchup a little bit. Uh, Murray State, like we said, facing off against Marquette for the third time in program history. Murray State coming into the matchup 27 and four. Marquette 24 and nine, 12 and six in the Big East Conference. Um, this game, Murray State's coming in hot, just like last year, riding 11 game win streak. Marquette, on the other hand, this is interesting. Obviously, didn't win the Big East, lost to Seton Hall, and I think the semis. Um, so, kind of a tale of, of, of two two programs right now. I mean, obviously, Marquette's in a much tougher conference. That accounts for something. But in terms of an opponent you could draw, I think you obviously don't want the program that's peaking at the right time. Like, yeah. per se, if we look, were to have drawn an Auburn that's coming off a 20-point win at Tennessee, I would obviously um, – you would obviously favor the – the team that's that's treading water uh, definitely uh, but then then again you never know too because i think last year west virginia was kind of down trending but then javon carter just came in <laughs> they and shut things down yeah. so <laughs> you never know say. never know what you're gonna get that's true tournament time that's true. Different, different different playing field and i know obviously the marcus howard uh injury with the wrist that was kind of circling the program a little bit coming into this but I think you told me that his wrist is is 100% now right yep multiple multiple news outlets said that he's ready to go 100% much so. to the much to the racers displeasure uh, but I think to the fans pleasure I think because yeah, it's a matchup a marquee Marquette matchup, matchup. talking about for sure, and two of the best guards in the country, I, I would think. I'm not sure if there's any other ones that really can that's compare to, to Moran. Bob Cousy finalists. That's right. That's right. Uh, Howard, I guess let's go ahead and get right into it um, with this player comparison. Howard averaged 25 points a game, one of the best scorers in the country, 3.9 assists per game and 3.9 rebounds per game. Howard, 40% from the three-point line. You've watched Marquette a little bit this year. How have you seen his effectiveness as a shooter? Obviously, that's his marquee uh, from yeah. from behind the arc. Forty percent is just a staggering uh, amount. But but what what do you think about him as a player? Def, definitely relies on his shooting a lot. Sure. At, just as much as he relies on his shooting, he's very adept at creating content, and getting to the foul line. I think it said he was a ninety percent free throw shooter. Oh, wow. I mean, he he can hurt you from both ways. Whether it's finding a th- an open three or finding a gap in the lane to get a foul. You mentioned the free throws, and Marquette as a team is is really adept. Not even, it's not even just Howard. As a team, they're seventy five point nine percent from the free throw line. 
and that's 20, 22nd in the nation. So it's a team you don't want to put on the foul line uh, for sure. Um, so Morant, we we just talked touched on Howard's numbers. Morant's averaging 24.6 points per game, 10 assists per game, 5.5 rebounds a game, and uh, 0.5 assists, or excuse me, steals per game. Morant's shooting about 33% from the three-point arc, which if you consider uh, the expectations coming into the year, I think you'd be you'd be all right with that if you're a racer fan, right? Oh, definitely. Uh, a lot of people were not sold on his jump shot coming in this year, and much to the Marquette a little bit. Let's go to kind of the team side by side by the numbers. 
So some of these are especially interesting. Marquette's averaging 77.7 points per game. That's 48th in the country. The Racers, on the other hand, 81.6 points per game. That's ranked 10th in the country. So both of these are pretty um, high-octane offenses, and that's uh, as you look at some of these statistics, it really embodies that. Marquette's averaging uh, the three-point percentage is 39.3. That's ninth in the country. Two-point percentage, on the other hand, though, 50.5, and that's 165th in the country. Obviously, a pretty clear area where this team wants to live and where they where they thrive. So uh, that, that's something, obviously, I think the Racers will try and key in, in on. And obviously, the Racers' three-point defense will play a huge role. Um, obviously, one of their biggest trademarks. They hold opponents 28.5% for the three-point line. That's fourth in the country. I think that is going to be huge in a game like this. That's why a lot of people like this matchup. Because when you have a team like Marquette that is so adept from behind the three-point line, you can pretty much neutralize that, I think. At least yeah. the racers have shown that they've been able to against teams this if year. If you can do that, I mean, it's it's not cold cut for you to get a win. No. But it, 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 held, it goes a long way, especially when uh, there was a game with Howard. Not, not necessarily that it's just him that's hitting deep, obviously, but right. Howard went and hit 10 threes in one game by yeah. himself. So, I mean, you keep guys off the line, the three-point line like that, I mean, it makes like a world of difference. Yeah, I mean, you were mentioning earlier. That, I mean, this is a guy in Howard that's that scored 50 points this year, and 45 um, multiple times. Right. So we, this guy can put them up quick. So that's going to be an interesting matchup, matchup just defensively. How they're going to defend him? I would assume they would put jaw on him, and and I, I, I would be curious where Shaq would go. See, you know I think I think actually I think Shaq goes on Marcus. Do honestly. you? Yeah. Interesting. I think I think Shaq is. They could put Shaq on Marcus to kind of defend the three. It may you may. You may have John Marcus because they're both kind of they not that they're bad defensive players, but they both at times take plays off. But I feel like for the Racers to get a win, I don't think you can take a play off of Marcus. So I think Shaq maybe Shaq or even even Tevin maybe be that guy as mm, a, a perimeter defender to stay on. I'd be interested to see what other guards they have and how kind of Morant and Buchanan would kind of complement well, that their, defensively. Their other wings are fairly decent size. Like I think they're they're two guards six five, and then Hauser Hauser is kind of listed as a guard forward right. type, so he's like six eight. Okay. So I mean, you kind of have to pick your battles there because sure. otherwise you're gonna have somebody on a with a height mismatch. So um, that's why I think you may lean towards Tevin or Shaq. On Marcus and have Ja on the two guard and then whoever else is on that three guard position at six eight, which is uh, Hauser. Yeah, for sure. And, and in watching them, um, I watched a Marquette game this morning just to kind of understand how Howard is able to be so effective. They run a lot of screens I mean, and a lot of cuts to get this guy open. So whoever is guarding him in the end, it's going to come down to. I mean, it, honestly, you could see a few defenders on him in one possession. I mean, when he doesn't have the ball, he's running off screens the whole time, you know, trying to get the ball. That offense clearly, obviously, when you're averaging 25 points per game, um, there's no question that the offense is running through through you. But just about every possession I watched, it started with the ball, a high ball screen, and it was kind of how we're working from there. So similar to kind of how the racers do the same thing with, with Morant, kind of letting him – um, create space. It's sort of the same with, with Howard. So it's going to be interesting how they play the ball screens. Obviously, you you would probably go over over screens rather than under with somebody like Howard. That's such a threat. That's that's one thing I'm interested to see too is how they apply pressure to him. Yeah. As much as he he has the ball, he only averages four assists a game. And I think if you look at assist to turnover ratio, I think he has an assist for every turnover. So okay. I mean, you get 
every assist you're going to have a turnover. That's going to create a lot of turnovers if you're able to apply pressure to where he can't get his shot off and has to be forced to make a play. Most definitely. Most definitely. Um, so from that, I'll keep going with a little bit of some of these, uh, some of Marquette's team percentages. Um, they hold opponents to a shooting percentage of 40.2%. That's 21st in the country. Um, and another interesting stat, really, I think, just going through these statistics, I think this is the most interesting stat and something that will really play in Murray State's favor. Um, opponent field goal attempts. Marquette allows 59.5 attempts to their opponents. That's 251st in the country. If you look at Murray State, they allow 60.4 attempts to their opponents. That's 287th in the country. So what that will tell you is that both of these teams love to run. Short possessions. You know, I mean, shots. if you look at Mar- if you watch a Murray State game, half the time there's a bu- there's a ball in the bucket before that shot clock reaches 20. Just to how much Morant loves to push the ball and really how Coach McMahon loves to push the ball because, I mean, this that's almost been one constant since McMahon's been here. I mean, you know, just considering personnel, he's been able to push the ball and it's worked, obviously worked in Murray State's favor. But in my opinion, and I'm curious what yours is, if Murray State, this was an ideal matchup, not only for the, for the three-point side of things, but for the fact that if Murray State is in a position where they can run and keep the pace fast, I think they're in an ideal position to win when you have a guy like Morant that can create space and obviously is a great passer and can find guys in space. Um, when they have to play slow, we've seen the racers kind of struggle a little bit, kind of go into a shell because they haven't excelled as much in the half court. Uh, Belmont's the biggest thing that comes to my mind when you think of those half court games. Belmont, for the most part, in both meetings, a few things got away from them, but they were able to limit half court, and both of those games obviously came down to the wire. So are you kind of on my side in there, or do you disagree at all? Um, I, I think they're in good position if they run a lot, but I think in the end it will come down to at the end in crunch time or when they need a big bucket, you can slow things down and go get it. Mm-hmm. Whether it's Moran in a pick and roll and trying to find Tevin or Shaq open for a three or darn feeding through running through Darnell on that, that high post wing mm-hmm. and trying to find either a dump off or just getting to that that meat hook that he loves so sure. much. All hail the meat hook. Um, so from there, let's let's go into rebounding a bit. Marquette averaging 27.3 rebounds, defensive rebounds per game, ninth in the country. Obviously a great defensive rebounding team, but offensively, I thought this was kind of curious. Uh, eight rebounds per game, that's 202nd in the That's 202nd in the country. Um, kind of interesting there. Uh, I, I didn't really understand why that would be. Um, you mentioned that maybe it's just because they're such a, a good shot-making team. Yeah. Um, it, it's make, possible. When you make shots, there's not a lot of rebounds to get. So. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. That's uh, as clear-cut as it gets right yeah. there. Um, another big stat here. Marquette, a uh, pretty good defensive team. Where they excel the most, in my opinion, I think, is, is shot blocking. They're not a great team I just as far as just steals go. They're 313th in the country with 4.8 steals per game. But but where they where they kind of solidify their, their defensive uh, prowess is kind of on the interior um, with their blocks. Um, they average 4.3 blocks per game. That's 56 in the country. You mentioned um, two of them coming from John. Yeah, for sure. John, 
making up half of those. Uh, so Murray State actually is four, averages 4.4, and which is 41st in the country. Um, but I think shot blocking, as we mentioned with, with Kanate last year, that's going to be important. Yeah. I think when our bigs do well, when you see uh, – Cohort have a good game. Same with Williams. Those are typically games we do well in as a team. You know, that's why I'm really excited to get to see how like how our bigs kind of handle that, especially Cohort. Because yeah, I think you see earlier on in the season, kind of struggled when he had guys at height advantage or was just really good interior defenders. Sure. But I think as the season grew along, Cowher became really adept at being able to shield the defenders off. Like yes. they're still there contesting. But he's able to get his shot off and be able to have position to make it. Has better touch, I'd say, in the post. So I'd like to see how he's able to handle interior defense like that. That's one of the biggest question marks, in my opinion. I mentioned that post presence, um, how it's going to affect both sides. But me and you both kind of agree just on Cohort's, how Cohort's development has impacted this team. Oh, and definitely. it's really been it's been paramount to their success. Um I was looking at cohort stats throughout the season earlier, and it's literally staggering how these statistics have increased just exponentially throughout the year. Um, obviously, that right state opener, Darnell really kind of made a name for himself right off the bat. He had six rebounds and 11 points in that game, but um, in the, I think it was about nine games after, he averaged about three rebounds and really about five to six points for the next nine to ten games in non-conference. Um, and really, when the Racers played Alabama, it's, it's when I started to think that cohort, my confidence in cohort started to waver, I think, because if you saw, obviously Alabama has great interior presence, but they were eating him alive that whole game. So even as it was going on, I was starting to wonder, like, is – what is Cohort's future here as far as in the in the rotation? You definitely know? suffered from uh, too many pump fakes. Yeah, definitely. Something, something. Some hesitation there yeah. maybe, uh, some reluctancy to yeah. maybe go up strong, whatever it may be. And maybe so I think the difference is honestly just I, th- I think he's gained more of a feel for the game. I think so. When, he, when he's able to go up and get his shot. Yeah. I mean, obviously this being his first year out of Juco ball. So. Sure. Juco to Alabama is quite the lead yeah, for sure. So, so that was interesting for me. But um, from that non-conference, it, it's, it's been kind of crazy how it's increased. And it kind of started with the Belmont game, I think, on January 24th. Cohort had a uh, career-high 13 rebounds and 18, uh, 14 points in that game. After that, I think uh, it really he really didn't slow down. Um, so 13 rebounds. Six rebounds, eight rebounds, 12, 11, 7, 4, 13, 12, 7, 6, 12, and 2 uh, in the last game against Belmont. Those, I mean, those those next few games in conference play, just completely tearing it up. And same thing offensively, just point-wise in those next games after 14 points, 18 points, 6, 6, 23, 10, 12, 14, 22, 12, 11, 15, 11, and 11, where now Cohort, after starting the year with about, like I said, about that five points per game in non-conference, he's up to 10.4 points per game. He's been the difference maker to me, and I think when Cohort is playing well, you see K.J. Williams play well. So kind of explain that that um, that correlation. That, that why is K.J. able to be as effective when Darnell is playing well? Well, one, I think for Darnell at least, a lot of it has come along with his 
conditioning. Because, okay. I mean, as as we go along, as we've gone along throughout the season, you can tell his his efforts been better as as far as he's been able to get up and down the floor better. Because I mean, he wasn't in the greatest shape coming in. He's worked extremely hard to get to where he's at now. Then, as far as fits offensively, KJ's kind of a He's a really good at setting screens, and he's really adept at reading spaces because you can see him and Jaw kind of connect a lot for lobs and stuff backdoor, just little things like that. And then by having KJ, he's able to space the floor when Darnell gets to have his uh, when Darnell gets the ball in the post. He's able to, I guess, suck his defender towards Darnell a little bit more mm -hmm. when Darnell goes to put on a move. KJ's right there for an easy right. layup or a rebound if it's there. It just it just creates a little bit more spacing on the floor for all the shooters and other players on the team. And we mentioned uh, with Hauser and John the shot blockers and the the rim defenders that Marquette has. Uh, maybe not to the stature of a Florida State that they might meet in the next round, but uh, none the, nevertheless, it's. It's interior defenders that Murray State hasn't really had to face up against this this year in OVC play, and really won't ever have to, just because uh, just how, how imposing the Big East is. But um, it's going to be interesting how they handle that, and whether or not Darnell draws double teams. And we've seen if he does, he's been able to kind of pass out of those. But I agree with you. I think when Darnell is going, he's able to see the floor well. And KJ has kind of been that, that power guy for us. For what Darnell lacks in maybe a vertical leap and, and, and aggressiveness, like you mentioned kind of the way getting he scores. Floor, yeah. yeah, getting up and down the floor. Just runs uh, the floor well. You're right. He's been able to kind of fill that role that the Racers didn't really have. Um, as the season gone has go excuse me, as the season has gone on, I've wondered just kind of subconsciously what this team would be like if Anthony Smith was still in the lineup. Definitely. You know, I, I'm curious. Obviously, Smith, I think before he went out, was averaging about two blocks a game. Yeah. Um, so you just imagine you. the interior defense with, with this guy yeah. still here. <clears throat> okay, so we've identified areas where it's going to be imperative for the racers to excel at if they want a chance to pull off the upset. Let's get into kind of what the outsiders are thinking. Um, obviously, we've covered the team all year, but – Let's see what Vegas has to say about this. Uh, right now, they've got Marquette as a four-point favorite, which I would think, just seeing the opening line, I thought was pretty respectable. Um, just comparing to the other 5-12 matchups, <clears throat> Auburn's a six-and-a-half-point favorite against New Mexico State. Wisconsin, only a one-point favorite against Oregon. And uh, Mississippi State is a six-and-a-half-point favorite against Liberty. So our four-point four line, besides the Wisconsin-Oregon, game, which Oregon's riding pretty hot right now, we have the really a um, little bit more favorable line. Uh, it looks like Vegas is kind of keyed, keyed in on just like some other fans around the country have, that this game could be a little bit, really could go either way. And like we mentioned, the struggling Marquette team, it's going to be curious how that plays out. I think a four-point line was pretty pretty safe bet. Yeah.
Yeah, and I haven't seen the over over under for this game, but if it were me, I would be hammering the over because these, like we mentioned earlier, these are two teams that love to play fast, and I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a game like that. As long as Murray State can limit those three point opportunities that can happen in transition, I mean, even watching Howard in transition, he's looking for a shot. So. If that's something they can keep under control, I think Murray State has a good chance of, of kind of controlling the pace and being able to kind of thrive in transition opportunities because in the end, John Morant's been the best guard in the country all season long despite Marcus Howard's ability to, to shoot the three. Morant's shown the ability to uh, – I mean, he's really showcased his speed all year, passing ability, and that's something uh, where Howard doesn't – I wouldn't say he lacks, but he definitely doesn't measure up. Sure. Um, so that's going to be interesting. <clears throat> that line, I might have to take Murray State plus four there, um, but it's going to be interesting. Um, so from that, let's preview this region a little bit. Uh, I know we've got Villanova in this region, uh, St. Mary's, but uh, they're on the other side of the bracket. Murray State will be playing the winner of Vermont and Florida State. Um, Gage, you've looked at this matchup a little bit and watched Florida State um, on occasion this year, as have I. But this Florida State team, a lot of people think they're they're a sleeper to, to make a deep run in the tournament. If Murray State was to pull off an upset on Thursday, what are the odds they get past the team like Florida State, given they win their first-time matchup against Vermont? I mean, that's tough. I mean, they're one of the seeds that come out of a, an extremely difficult ACC conference. I mean, they they made it to the championship. They they put up a little bit of a fight against Duke. They lost by 12, but, I mean, they're they're in there, and they, they didn't get annihilated by any means whatsoever. They're, uh, they're the stereotypical Seminole team. They're very large, very long, and athletic. They just they, they cover a lot of area. They cover a lot of area. It makes it a lot harder for the offenses to uh, be able to function in and out of the paint. Yeah, and, I mean, you saw with Mazinski and Belmont, one of the bigger players Murray State has played this year, um, with the exception of maybe Wiley at, at Auburn and, and um, Alabama's bigs. Um, they've kind of struggled a little bit. Obviously, it was early in the season with those non-conference matchups, but um, those bigs have, have sort of bothered them on the, on the interior, and they bothered last year in the NCAA NCAA tournament. Obviously, you have new bigs here with KJ and Darnell. You don't have Anthony Smith this year, naturally, and you have uh, you still have Breon back. But it's gonna be it's gonna be a big, a key factor how that plays out. You know, uh, if if that matchup were to take place. So from that, we don't want to count our chickens before they hatch. We don't know whether or not this is that matchup could even come to fruition. But it's going to be interesting to see how Murray State handles that. So, from previewing the region, let's transition to kind of what me and you have been discussing on this long drive to Hartford. It's kind of between last year's team and this year's team. Obviously, things are different. You don't have Jonathan Stark. You don't have Terrell Miller. You don't have Byron Hawkins. You don't have Jalen Dupree. Um those were your rotation guys last year. Uh, I, w- I would argue that you found some pretty good replacements, but I'm of the opinion that last year's team, NCAA tournament team, was more talented than this year's, 
you disagree. Yeah. And I, I'm sure some racer fans will disagree. Um, obviously, this year's team has the best player in, in Morant. Um, but I, I'm curious. Let's talk this out just a little bit. I'm just purely just just for fun and just to kind of understand where we're where we're coming from here. In my opinion, I think this round or excuse me, this matchup against Marquette is much better than West Virginia. So you look at last year's double-digit loss to West Virginia compared to this year where Murray State might be favored in some people's mind. Is that any indication of the caliber of teams that were playing in those that are playing in those two tournament games? Or does that say more about the opponent that they're playing and maybe the matchup that might be a little bit more favorable? Um, I think as far as matchups, I mean, West Virginia, I feel, was a lot better defensively. The, I think the, the big difference between last year's and this year's team is how the way we move the ball. I think last year, I mean, you obviously we still obviously have pick and rolls. You have John Murray getting a lot of pick and roll action. But I think when it came to Stark get, getting leaned on more as the primary ball handler for the majority when you're going for offensive attacks or stuff like that, he wasn't necessarily always looking for that shooter. He's more of a score-first kind of guy, whereas Jaws, he's he's a playmaker. He's not always – like, he can, he can get his points, but for the most part, he's looking to set up his teammates. He's looking for that opening, whatever opening is available. Sure. Whereas Stark was more of, I'm going to get my shot. And then I think Terrell was going a little bit that way too. If he, I mean, if he had a if he had a clean look from three, he was taking that sucker. Sure. And then uh, I think I think that was just a lot of it was guys trying to get their own. Not not that that was a bad thing by any means. No, it they, worked. They, it worked. And it wasn't selfish. Yeah. I don't think. It wasn't by any means. It wasn't selfish. I think just there's more fluidity to the offense this I, year than last year. I I appreciate those points. Honestly, I think that they. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think when they had Jonathan Stark and played through him and really a lot of games had to rely on him to be that go-to scoring option, and a lot of the time he was that go-to scoring option. So when they played a guy like Javon Carter that completely shut that down, I think that kind of shell-shocked that team. Um, so so I do agree with what you're saying in that sense. But I think team-wise, um, I think when you look at the balance last year's team had, um, when you had Jonathan Stark averaging 21 points a game and you had Terrell Miller averaging about 16 and you had John Morant on that same team, granted he wasn't the primary ball handler, um, averaging 12 and 12, 6 and 6, I think, and you had you had Chad Buchanan on that team. Um, so basically take what you have now and add in two double-digit scores. Well, see, this what, I just think the balance was so much better offensively. See, I still but think, I get your point about the movement. I still think that this year has more of a balance, honestly. Do you? Because if you think about it last year, Shaq's not scoring nearly as much as he is now. Right. So you've got that first off. I mean, Ja, yeah, he was scoring 12 points with this 13-point jump, which makes up for your loss in having Stark or Miller gone when you jump that extra 15 um, and then I think, that's I think through OVC, yeah, you'll probably if if it comes down to it, I'd say you probably have a little bit more balance because you almost had those guaranteed scores last year. But I like that this year's team kind of has the element of surprise in that you don't necessarily know who all it's going to come. You know, 
plenty of guys that are going to get their points one way or another, but you don't know who it is that's going to just destroy you or just put it in put in that work for you. Some nights it's Darnell who's the second leading scorer right. behind Jaws. Some nights it's Shaq. Some nights it's Tevin when he just goes off and he's unconscious from deep. You don't really know who it is, and then you still have when maybe you don't have those guys go off for big numbers. Guys are putting in 10, 8, 12. They're putting in those decent numbers that keep you right there without having to have an absolute monster game from somebody. Yeah, you're, you're honestly, you're starting to persuade me a little bit. That That is a really good point. Um, That's what I think honestly gives a little bit edge against Marquette because, I mean, you can prepare as much as you want for Ja. I mean, he's going to get his. Well, you but, can prepare for 30 points from Ja, but yeah. he may give you 15 assists yeah. instead. And then still with the other guys, I mean, if you don't know who's going to be your leading second scorer, you kind of got to pick one and prepare for however you're going to go about it. Yeah. Because, I mean, you can, prepare, you can prepare for Darnell to get in the post, but, I mean, if that doesn't happen, you still have the pick and roll with Ja, and he's going to look for shooters. And if Tevin and Shaq are on fire from three, I mean, that's, that's a ball game. I will say that it is much harder to stop a team like this than rather than when you have, if you're opposing coach saying, okay, this guy's averaging 21 points a game, let's put our best defender on him. It's tough to do that on this Murray State team just because what you said is how um, unpredictable the team is and in, in how they share the ball. As long as the points are coming, I would I would say that yeah maybe this is the more balanced team and maybe it's a better team, um, but if it doesn't come, that that's where the issue comes in. And there's been times a few times this year where from several people um, it hasn't come. But I mean as long as you have other people there to pick up the slack, I guess I would argue that that that's just fine. Um, so that, that I mean it's it's a curious it's I mean, interesting guys, argument. Yeah, because I mean you even have guys like when Darnell I, there was a I think Darnell had a rough game. Devin Gilmore comes off the bench, right. scores in ten points in a right. matter of like five minutes. So, right, I mean, that's someone who you didn't expect to get a lot of minutes coming into the season. Is now also another key contributor when he when need be. I wouldn't even be shocked to see him a little bit just because of his athleticism to see if interesting as a as another fit. So that'd be kind of interesting to see how that plays out too. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if they do go to Gilmore. Um, how deep McMahon ends up going. I, I can obviously. I would think that Breon get some playing time. I wonder how the matchup uh, goes and whether or not kind of Gilmore jumps him in terms of terms of minutes. I'm I'm very curious of how, um, and I, I've mentioned it this whole show that really this matchup in the paint, obviously everybody's going to talk about the Howard Morant show, but when it comes down to it, there's more than, <laughs> it's more than those two guys, yeah. and it's going to be fought down there in the paint. Um, and how they handle that, I think, is going to be who it's going to show who comes out on top and who advances. So that's the question I think um, Murray State fans should be asking, and whether or not they can accomplish that in this Thursday game. That game tips off at 3.20 Central Time. We will be there providing you coverage as much as we can. Glad to do it. Really excited for this tournament week. Uh, I know me personally, I'm excited to watch Villanova and Jay Wright just just right up there um, in the front. Nah, that sounds dumb. I'm excited to watch Villanova and Jay Wright just because I, I love I love his coaching style. I love how fast they play. 
personally? Any, anything you're particularly looking forward to? Um, I'm kind of excited to watch the Purdue Old Dominion matchup as I think that the Old Dominion matchup may be one of those that could be a, kind of an upset. You never know at the 13-4, so that'd be interesting to see. And still just kind of really just want to see how the, as far as the region goes, just that Florida State matchup, whether sure. we get a Florida State or a Vermont if we were to come away with an upset on Thursday. Sure. But, uh, Vermont's played the role of an, of an upset team before. Uh, I'm curious if they can do it again. If so, you would think uh, Murray State might have an edge in that next round just based on getting to avoid that Florida State size, you know. Definitely. So, so uh, stay tuned to our Twitter and Facebook page. We'll uh, keep it updated as much as possible. We'll give you the best coverage we can. We will do it. So from now, we will be taking long naps before we finally hit Hartford so we can provide the best coverage possible. Be sure to follow us on social media, MSU Sports News on Twitter, and obviously follow our Facebook page, Murray State News. We will be giving all the coverage, all the behind-the-scenes looks along the way. Thanks for tuning in to the Racer Rundown Podcast. This has been Blake Sandlin and Gage Johnson.